Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Two wins in four days for Atlanta United, including a late dramatic win over the San Jose Earthquakes. But a serious injury to Joseph Martinez leaves everyone asking who's gonna step up for that season-defining clash against NYCFC on Wednesday. We discuss all that and more, coming up. Hey, I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. We'll review two matches in this jam-packed Five Strike Weekly, starting off with FC Cincy. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor. This segment is sponsored by Mojitos Bistro. Mojitos at the Forum, where you can find a slice of Miami and Havana right here in Atlanta. They offer Cuban cuisine made with recipes from their mom's cookbook. And check out their watch party on September 18th for the match against FC Cincinnati. They'll be giving away a beer for each Atlanta goal scored. Joseph helps a lot with that. For more on the awesomeness at Mojitos, check our description box below. Now into the review, it's the 2-0 win over FC Cincy. Yeah, it's uh, the 60 million, 60th minute before we actually got something going, uh, at least something in the back of the net, uh, especially against a side that poor, uh, that low in the, the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's uh, just... We missed a few chances in the Historically beginning. Historically bad team. Historically bad team. Uh, we just we struggled to break down uh, this team. I mean, that's uh, you know it's been a pattern since we've gotten back from the international break. Whatever it is, uh, you know, from international break, we kind of tend to be a little bit lethargic. You know, not really bring our absolute best, and you know, at least though we got there in the end in this one. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's also something that's kind of been a reoccurring trend with both matches against FC Cincinnati this season. Earlier in the season, you had that 1-1 draw at the bins in the second match of the season, which was when a lot of people really started getting frustrated with the board because people knew that FC Cincinnati team was not going to be good very early on. They got a few points, and then they've been historically bad. They have the worst defensive record in MLS history. So it's something that I think isn't just been limited to them. Atlanta United struggles against teams that sit deep, and DeVore's talked about the team being patient, keeping their positioning, keeping their shape when they're trying to find that opening. And a couple times in the first half against FC Cincinnati, they got a bit impatient, lost mm-hmm. their positioning, and Cincinnati had a couple chances to break. Thankfully, they're on a better team, or it could have been a similar situation to what you saw against Columbus if they would have been able to put the ball in the back of the net. Right. I mean, they basically, yeah, they really struggled to put the ball in the back of the net. That's a major thing. And, you know, against a tougher team, then we probably should be a lot more worried. But, uh, you know, I think... At the end of the day, we uh, were able to create some incredible chances uh, and kind of both uh, a little bit off the counter. Uh, and that first one, I mean, Joseph Martinez starting to break. Um, or break or a punch. Yeah, with a punch. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I mean, so Joseph Martinez leading the break, rather. But, uh, and then he, you know, sends it to P.T. Martinez, who just a brilliant on a plate through ball. And uh, Joseph Martinez just punches it into the back of the net, no problem. Like that, when he's one on one with the keeper, I don't think there's anyone in the league that you uh, you know fancy more than you know Joseph Martinez. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then uh, in a pretty quick succession, we uh, you know uh, kind of with our work rate uh, get a good chance. Gressel. Uh, finds Joseph Martinez. The most generous assist Julian Gressel will ever be credited definitely. with. Definitely. <laughs> but uh, he found him. Uh, and um, that scorpion touch, oh my God. It was just a uh, chef's kiss. I mean, it's just like that. And then I, he threw I, in the extra saucy ingredients of leaving two men for he dead. He committed a crime. Dude, like Haglin was just, uh, he slid in twice, didn't get anything. Uh, and then Joseph Martinez, uh, yeah, puts it past now, a defender and a keeper there. With his weak foot. With his weak foot. I mean, just brilliant goal. And um, I think both were, yeah, absolutely just uh, gems. Yeah, that of, was that uh, was goals. the that was the special sauce. Yeah, on for that sure. Goal. But uh, so honestly, you think it's one of the better goals he's ever scored for Atlanta United? I'd put it up there. It's up there next to his Orlando City goal for uh, at least in terms of style and sauce. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm talking about the uh, you know the record breaking one, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean it's just because yeah he broke a few ankles then too. This one definitely uh, he left guys on their ass so it's one of those where i could go either way on either one of those two but um yeah i mean and in terms of that i mean beyond that it was uh guzan with 
a kind of off the line save that was pretty crucial. Uh, Rometty had a goal well. clearance in the first half as well. Yeah, Charlotte Rometty jumping up and clearing it off the line. Yeah, exactly. All five six of him. Job uh, got a good run out, and so that's a good tune up. Played about um, half an hour. Yeah, played about half an hour, so that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of um, yeah, like. Uh, where was that going with this? Um, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. In terms of uh, Joseph Martinez's consecutive goal streak, he extended it to 15. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic to see that, but of course, uh, we have a foreboding yeah. match uh, to review after this. So uh, it's not all, you know, sunshine and roses there. But uh, in terms of after that match, Frank de Boer talked about uh, the difficulty of it. And he said, yeah, but I'm still satisfied about the form because when they park two buses in front of their own goal, it's quite difficult to create chances. We had the patience. You saw in the first half that we, I think, one or two times lost patience and directly get a counterattack against us. After that, corner and they had a chance. I think we did much better. And so, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, he, he summed it up perfectly, I think, in, uh, in the sense that uh, you know, when we do try to have to break down a really, really deep-lying team, we struggle. And uh, we were able to create the chances that were necessary. So at the end of the day, three points, happy days. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if we're playing against a tougher team on the road, we have to do much better than this. Because you know that if they are a team that might be afraid to play us, you know, straight up, it will be this type of match and maybe they might be more clinical uh, when they do get their chances. So it really, really will be uh, a big, big test if uh, we do get a playoff match uh, soon. So uh, let's get to the San Jose Earthquakes match that talk about leaving it late. That is quite ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they were down to 10 men. It was still 1-1 in the 90th minute. I mean, it just... I uh, thought I was going to come out and be, like, swearing in a bad way on my fan cam. Just, like, we're garbage and just bad and awful. I mean, when you think about it, I think we've touched on it before. Atlanta United, for the, the short history they've had, they haven't had a history of really late winners. Yep. You had what we thought was a late winner against Red Bull or, earlier this season. Mm -hmm. And then you had that late goal by Tito to get the draw against Orlando back in the last game at, at the um, Bobby Dodd. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, there haven't been really too many games where you can think, okay, late goal winner. Well, I guess Tito's was kind of late, but it wasn't like 90th minute. Right. On, like in that We've had some game tying uh, goals as well, but in terms of, yeah, late winners, there's not out and out like a very, very memorable one. This one, I think. Very uh, memorable. Yeah, for sure. And I think where that frustration is pretty apparent uh, inside the stadium, the atmosphere is definitely tense. But uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, getting from the beginning of it, then, uh, you know, in the sixth minute, or the fourth minute, rather, Justin Miram uh, gets on the end of uh, a ball that uh, really is, uh, might be generous as a goal, but it is, I think, on target. And uh, he gets it in the back of the net. That's a little hefty deflection for sure. Hefty deflection, but hey, you know it's a. Uh, they all count. They all count. If you uh, if it crosses the line, you know doesn't matter. But uh, also apologies for there's some guy mowing the lawn somewhere and it's just uh, it is what it is. So apologies for your ears. Uh, thank you guys for like grinning <laughs> and bearing it with us. But uh, yeah, and then so uh, yeah, Christian Espinosa uh, later on in the 27th minutes. He leaves Justin Miram for dead, and uh, he uh, pretty much finds the ability to cross in the box there, and unfortunately, Brad Guzan, uh, it's an own goal on him as it goes through his legs, and uh, it's one of those where, I mean, yeah, Justin Miram, he's not a defender, he's not a, really a wingback, he's done really a good job out there, and so the fact that uh, he got beat there, I mean, can you blame him too hard? I mean, I mean, it's he's one not things. one of those guys that, that wins a lot of aerial duels. He has, he's been lucky that he hasn't really been pressured a lot yeah. at times like that. And it was just one of those things where if they go route one, they win it. But at the end of the day, for me, it's like, look, he did get beat, but Brad Guzan can't be making that error. He can't, he can't be letting that ball go through him and then deflect into the back of the net. He yeah. has to be able to smother that, be big, be strong, block it off, or do something to get it out and not have that happen. So it was frustrating when that happened because. Not necessarily that it was coming because San Jose were aggressive and I thought that Atlanta United had struggled a little bit after they got that initial goal, but it was something that it felt almost a bit hard done by because it sure. wasn't, 
they, they had no shots on target up until I think the 60th or so minute. Yeah. It wasn't like they were creating chances. They were getting into the box, but Atlanta Adam was clearing it. They were taking care of the we're danger. stifling them for- Exactly. What, what, what we thought was probably going to be a shootout it was pretty much like something that, yeah, I think, uh, you know, to be able to keep them really uh, with no shots on target for that long is pretty, pretty and, outrageous. And obviously what happened later in the first half had a lot to do that because sure. the referee, he had a very large impact on this game. That being said, I think San Jose kind of had it coming to a degree because you have Emerson Hyman book early on for what was definitely a yellow card offense when he pulled a guy back that was breaking, I think it was actually Espinoza. And then he, Espinoza, gets a yellow for being an idiot and jumping in front of Hermetti when he's trying to take a throw in, and he gets booked for that. And then there's later on a little, you know, ball bouncing around in the box. He fouls Escobar, which was a foul, but not a yellow. He kicks him in the, in the side of the foot. But then he, for some reason, decides, you know what, I'm gonna go in on his leg and then stamps on him and then gets a second yellow and gets his ass sent off. What cracked me up was the fact of how angry San Jose got, and I get defending your teammate up to a degree, but the funny thing is, is in my opinion, he could have gotten a straight red for that stamp anyway because he stepped directly on Escobar's leg. Mm -hmm. VAR could have seen that and given him a straight red for that. So I find it funny that they were like, what did he do, what did he do? He knew what he did. You saw the thought process in his head, mm -hmm. process in his head. He knew exactly what he was doing. But credit to Franco Escobar as well for the skill to put it behind his back, to block him off and uh, to put himself in that position to, that he would get fouled. And then also, I mean, so. yes, I mean, it definitely hurt, but Escobar is a fantastic actor as well. Oh, he, for sure. He definitely sold it as much as he possibly absolutely. could, so. So that, that's where maybe they, they felt like they were hard done by, but absolutely, when you step on a dude's leg, whether you're late or not, I mean, it's very, very, uh, you know, pretty apparent that you're probably gonna get a card. And so, uh, yeah, he gets sent off, changes the game. It, it was a little bit unfortunate because, yeah, uh, it could have been a little bit more back and forth uh, and less of a, a kind of nail biter for so long. But uh, yeah, uh, I think, you know, it was very just, uh, you know, just, uh, I think throughout most of it, very gritty, I think, uh, in, in that sense. And. Um, yeah, but before we get to the goals that uh, saved this game, Jose Martinez was subbed off because he ran, uh, or there was a collision between he and PT. And so, yeah, I mean, it didn't look good at uh, that point. He kind of uh, gets some treatment. He comes off, comes back in, and then he's just immediately like, yeah, I can't continue. Um, and this is where it's just like, it, it almost put me into tears seeing Jose Martinez on the sideline in tears pretty much and, and you um, get stretchered off and when a yeah. guy's get stretchered off that's just never a good it's usually sign. not a good sign um and especially when he waves to the bench as uh you know gesticulating as uh pretty like uh loudly as he did in that sense uh yeah i mean it's it, it's a huge worry you don't know what the extent of it is uh and of course uh we'll outline what the actual extent of the injury is in the news but i mean it's just uh it's, it's tough it's tough to see that um kind of the spiritual leader of the team in that sense to uh, you know be stretchered off the guy who is the guy who scores most of our goals uh, it's it's tough tough to see but what the team did was they galvanized they found something deep they did uh, though and you could see it they found something when he went uh, off the pitch those last 10 15 minutes of the match that they really started pushing for it. Emerson Hyman, who had at times a poor game, he missed a sitter, in my opinion, from six yards out in the game. Well, he the missed ball, a couple other chances. The ball too. did kind of come quickly to him, but still, he, he had some opportunities. Yeah. It just it wasn't happening for him. But when Joseph went off, he really took it upon himself to start running into the box and being aggressive and making the, those movements. I thought Brandon Vasquez played really well. Mm -hmm. They had a good link up uh, where Vasquez backfielded to Hyman. The keeper made a good save. The keeper made really a lot of saves that kept them in it because sure. Atlanta, especially later in the second half, was putting shots on frame. Mm -hmm. It's just the keeper was having a world he's standing on his head. Mm -hmm. But finally, you have gone to Nagby, who is starting to get the numbers in terms of assists and stuff now that mm -hmm. his work and his effort deserves, right. who had a great game, in my opinion, charging through midfield, mm -hmm. finds Hyman with that perfect layoff, and he smashes it into the back of the net. And the relief, and I think just, that was one of the loudest cheers I've ever heard from that. I think so. Because it was like yeah. the roof came off. It was like, thank God this goal has gone in. You saw what it meant to the team. You saw what it meant to the fans. And it was just one of those moments that is 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 most enjoyable that you really associate with, with soccer, that, that mm -hmm. you live for. And right. getting to see your team score a last minute winner at home, and then, to melt off that and get another one to really make the game safe. To get the icing on the cake. Oh, uh, yeah. that, that was that was nice. Yeah, Brandon Vasquez uh, charging down the left, um, 
Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, with that, uh, you know, left-footed uh, cross to find a absolutely open. There was no one near him. Yeah, just absolute field of uh, just like acres of space. Uh, and PT goes one on one with the keeper uh, from the penalty spot, pretty much, and uh, he hits it off the post. Made it a bit end. harder than it needed yeah. to be. <laughs> but uh, I understand because I mean, he, you know, the keeper's coming out at him and pretty much, you know, getting as big as possible. But it is, yeah. Who I was like, if ah. you had not had that gun, and I would have been very angry with you because there is no excuse missing from that range. Right. It's like, what else do you want? Right. But I think we got that third goal because uh, for some reason inexplicably, San Jose was trying to get an equalizer, I think. maybe well, they almost did as well. And so they you almost could did. See, after the third goal went in, they had a chance at the other end as well. So yeah. you needed that third goal, clearly, because they yeah. pushed for it. Yeah, and they were trying, they were trying to push, I guess, uh, and I think, you know, for obvious reasons, they're trying to get up uh, higher into another playoff position that uh, better suits them if they wanted to, you know, get further in the playoffs. But um, it's one of those things where maybe, and I think I, I saw some uh, things on social media, like, uh, in terms of their fans, like, should we have actually uh, tried to uh, go for it with 10 men, that type of thing? Uh, and credit to them though, they did play well with Tim for a large percentage of the yeah. match, although I'll get into it later in a segment I haven't done in a while. They really irritated the piss out of me with sure. the way they fouled at Laney added consistently, specifically Pity. Right. But, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, in terms of uh, other uh, superlatives, I think uh, Tio Vishalba came on and had a really, really good performance. Um, really changed the, yeah, I think, uh, the urgency, the pace of the game. Um, yeah, he was dribbling around guys and uh, really trying to make things happen. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it bodes well for both Brandon Vasquez and Tito Vichal, but if they are going to play in Joseph Martinez's steed, that they got some valuable minutes in uh, this match uh, leading up to NYCFC. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Hyman, uh, you know, he got the man of the match uh, per the Atlanta United social media. Um, I think, yeah, he, his work rate, I think, is really what um, kind of... Uh, exemplified that man of the match display plus the go-ahead goal but um, yeah I think we did mention in our fan cams yeah he uh, maybe because of the missed chances yeah lacked a little bit in that department in terms of uh, a full man of the match display for me but I think uh, anytime you get the winner yeah it's pretty much especially in that fashion um, yeah it's just one of those, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, he, it's not too hard done that he, he got it, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, and so with this win, we have gotten a home playoff match clinched. So that's fantastic. Uh, because, yeah, if we have it, like I've mentioned against, uh, you know, FC Sensi, that's kind of a proposition that I'm not really too fond of. Don't want to go on the road. Home yeah. is much better. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, generally most of the time we, Kind of get the run of play in the way that we want to, uh, you know. So uh, that's absolutely a great thing that uh, that has been clinched. But uh, yeah, and in terms of, I, I think for me though, Donington Nagby probably should have gotten the actual actual man of the match. But he needs to be offered as much money as soon as yeah. possible because. If he leaves, we are so much worse off. He's the best player at his position in the entire league. I've said right. it before, I'll say it again, and he's I'll say it the again. the engine of this team where if we don't have him, I mean, he pretty much has to play every single He match. is irreplaceable. Like, you yeah. can't, he, he's, again, there's no one else in the league like him who has his control, his ability on the ball, his work rate, his ability to run around and just do everything that he does. He is a superb player. And to him, for him to leave at the end of this season, you know, it'd be it'd be really frustrating as a fan, not not you know towards him, but just to see that you know the club would have let him go. But again, yeah. who knows what the situation is? But again, offer him as much money as humanly possible. Right. Keep but maybe it's not about care. money, and so but you know it's one of those things. We'll get to that when that happens, obviously, because uh, there's Don't still leave. still some games to play in the season. So, uh, but anyway, let's get to the post-match quotes or a post-match quote uh, rather. Uh, LGP talked about. Joseph Martinez and missing him uh, pretty much in the squad uh, for future matches. Uh, Joseph Martinez is a great player. He said, quote, very important for us. We know that, but he's not the solution of LA United. He scores a lot of goals for the club, but it's also because of what the team generates in assist him. He's an important piece, but if he's not there, that doesn't mean we can't win. I like the, uh, the attitude that they have that they believe they're still winners uh, regardless uh, of who's in the 11. Uh, I like that attitude. 
Um, yes, Joseph Martinez does account for a majority of the goals uh, that we score. But uh, I think you've seen with uh, in you know maybe 2017 when Joseph Martinez was only able to play 20 games. Uh, you know, Atito Bishaba was able to step up. He had 13 goals and 11 assists that season. I mean, there are guys that are capable of, uh, you know, at least producing uh, for LA United. So I think, uh, you know, I think he's very much correct in that regard that, yeah, guys will have to step up. And I think at the very least, there's not an incredible amount of games that they will have to do that. And uh, so in that regard, uh, I hope that they have that very killer mentality that, yeah, you know, we have something to prove and, you know, we're not slouches either. So, but um, yeah, so that wraps up a bow on both of those match reviews and gets us into the news and the long awaited update, the worst Sunday of uh, just nervousness ever. Uh, so Joseph Martinez, yes, uh, he pretty much the diagnosis is that it is uh, in terms of the full diagnosis, it's day to day in terms of uh, what the actual um, you know, prognosis of the extent of the injury. Uh, that's a whole mouthful. And, uh, but what we know is that Frank DeBoer did say that uh, his knee and his ankle uh, are pretty much the, uh, the injured body parts. Uh, he's on crutches. And it's one of those things where, um, yeah, nothing was broken. Uh, there wasn't any ligament damage apparently, and so it's just a wait and see what uh, what it really is. I think it's and it was uh, originally reported by uh, Duck Robertson that it was going to be uh, several weeks, and I think that's probably still close to what the diagnosis probably is. Uh, playoffs, he might be ready for. So, at the very least, it's not the worst case scenario that we all thought because. Uh, you know, him waving to the, the bench, that screams like maybe an ACL tear. When you see the replay as well, you're looking at it going, he probably tore something. Yeah. So the, and that's the news like nine that, months. Yeah, Ooh. the news that he didn't tear anything is fantastic. But also, if it's a sprain, it's probably a, a bad sprain. And with those things, you need to be careful with them because you are more susceptible to tearing them if you get back too soon and you yep. injure it again. It is still weak and you might have that. So. Mm -hmm. I think Atlanta is going to take their time with this. They're going to be yep. very patient with him. He won't play the rest of the regular season. That's that's a given. And then depending on how you do, if you manage to somehow secure that first seed and give yourself a few extra days to where you don't have to play on that first weekend, that gives you a nice little, I think, 10 or so day gap between when the regular season ends and having to play your first game. So every single day matters. We'll see. Again, I, my gut feeling, I, I, don't, I, I don't know yet. We'll see. He's an incredible athlete. He's an incredible player. He tries to do everything he can to get fit. It kills him, I think, more than it kills us that he can't play because yeah. he wants to be playing and he cares so much about it. But again, the club need to be careful with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I wouldn't rush him back at any point if he's not absolutely 100% because, yeah, like you were saying, if he does uh, you know, make it worse for wear, it's just not a good idea because uh, the worst case scenario is that not kind of nine month thing or uh, anything like that. And that's not what we want. We want him, uh, I think, probably ready, uh, you know, for when he's most, uh, you know, 100% because it's one of those things where uh, if he's playing in the playoffs and it's, you know, even like 80%, it's one of those... Risking that is a huge, huge thing that uh, I wouldn't really want to uh, to do. But uh, there is kind of a, a parallel with this, uh, at least in the past three seasons, I think. There's uh, Miguel Miron going down in 2017. Uh, later in the season, uh, Miguel Miron going down in 2018 in the latter part of the season as well. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you see the team kind of galvanize and try to overcome those things. But uh, yeah, you saw that in the on decision day, uh, us capitulate against Toronto FC, uh, those type of things. I mean, our best player in that regard, um, you know, going down at the end of the season, it's just, it's really, really tough. But I think our team can deal with it, but it is one of those hurdles that um, I think we've seen just time and time again, and it just really sucks. But uh, I think the team, uh, I think maybe hopefully can, you know, they've seen these instances now and maybe are kind of uh, better built to deal with it, you know, because they've seen it multiple times. But um, yeah, Frank DeBoer, he, uh, he talked about uh, the team not being, uh, not having a Jose Martinez in the squad. 
He said, quote, I have to deal with it. I can't sit and cry in the corner that he's not here. I'm still positive. It brings another energy in the team that we have to try to explore. And that's good that he's uh, you know, maybe open to uh, doing some different things with the squad uh, to maybe fit in kind of the best 11. Unfortunately, he doesn't have very many games to get that right. And so hopefully whoever, whomever he brings in, it's the right person because yeah, I mean, it's just like he might have to mix and match uh, pretty quickly inside of a match maybe even, maybe some halftime subs if something's not working. Who knows, he's not really known for that, but I mean, we'll something's gonna happen. Something's we'll gotta happen. But uh, another big piece of news happened on uh, Monday as well, and our captain, Michael Parkhurst, is retiring at the end of the season. That's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people maybe saw, uh, you know, that he's in the twilight of his career, so maybe this is not a big, big surprise, but it is one of those things where it does, uh, you know, kind of sadden you, because he's the very first captain of Atlanta United. Uh, there's a sentimentality of it, you know, and there's also, he's our captain when we won MLS Cup. I mean, these are very important things. You never forget your first, as they say, and so, uh, you know, we. I wish nothing but the best. I'm, I'm sure uh, Tanner does as well for yeah, so Michael Parker. It's one of those things where he's had a long career, and he had a tough career at times yeah. where he kept losing. He couldn't get an MLS Cup win. He mm -hmm. played in, what, four before he finally won in the fifth time of asking. He's played in the Champions League with, with Norgelad over in, I want to say, is either Denmark or Norway. Denmark. I think it was Denmark, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he, he's had a very long and very interesting career, and I, he's well-deserved with for his retirement. Enjoy it. I'd love for him to stay around in a coaching capacity or something with the team. I think he'd be yeah. a fantastic individual. Yeah, yeah. Some, somebody to keep involved, you know, club ambassador, whatever you want to have it as. I think he'd be someone to just... You know have around the team in some way shape or form and you know he, he said after during his announcement that he will be happy that he's able to retire an atlanta united player yeah and, and that's huge yeah that's, i think means for, so much, for I everyone think. the image of him lifting up that mls cup is what you'll think of when you think of michael parkhurst and that's a pretty damn good image to think of right mind. yeah and also i mean in that uh, press conference he spoke about like i think he was asked uh what he wanted to be remembered for as an mls player and I think, man, this is what speaks volumes on, uh, you know, what type of guy he is on and off the field. He said, I want to be remembered as a good teammate, as uh, someone that, uh, you know, helped his, uh, his uh, you know, his fellow teammates as well. That, I mean, that just speaks volumes. He's a guy that uh, clearly is full captain material. Um, because even though he's not been uh, playing a ton of games in 2019, he has been, you know, a guy that I think the, you know, uh, starting 11 guys have been relying on, even the uh, the younger guys as well. I think you can, I think you can see on the flood of uh, social media messages uh, from the players what he means to uh, the team and you know his fellow teammates. So uh, massive, massive, uh, I think miss, I think in the clubhouse in the future. But hopefully we bring some new guys in and uh, to help in that regard. But I mean, it's just one of those things where, uh, yeah, I mean, best wishes to Captain Michael Parkers. Uh, but and hopefully, you know, he goes out with uh, another ring, and so yeah, him lifting another MLS Cup at the end of the season <laughs> would be a really nice thing. To see. That'd be a nice little cap to his uh, his career for sure. But um, yeah, and so uh, that gets us to the standings. How are they looking? So Atlanta United with that win this past weekend and some drop points from the other teams up top in the East has Atlanta United now sitting second in the East on 54 points. NYCFC is still in first place on 58 and Philadelphia in third on 52. Now the important thing to remember is that Phil and NYCFC play each other in the last game of the season. So someone out of those two is dropping points. Preferably, well, we'll see preferably who it is because obviously we'll get into the NYCFC game later on. That game has become the pinnacle of Atlanta United's season. A win in that game, you go one point behind NYCFC and they still have the potential to drop points. You also create a gap to Philadelphia. So Atlanta United is in a great spot to at least finish in the top two, which will get you two playoff games at home instead of one. So it, it was a good weekend for Atlanta United. Yeah. Red Bulls, who I dislike, and I think every Atlanta United fan dislike, did them a massive solid by beating Philadelphia 2-0. And I think the good thing to note as well is that Atlanta United has that weird tiebreaker in MLS. It's not goal difference, it's wins. And Atlanta United has more wins right now. And their goal difference is also better than Philadelphia's to boot as well. We're at plus 16, they're at plus 10. So it's tight. It is very tight mm -hmm. in the Eastern Conference. It's going to go down to decision day. 
We'll see what happens, but second place right now, and I still on first. I don't think we thought that maybe a week ago after that Columbus game, but hey, here we are. So you're telling me there's a chance. I so mean, I'm that's, telling you there's a chance. That's yeah, fantastic. Dallas, two, Dallas had a 1-1 draw with NYCFC, so yeah. they just saw having them drop points. So it was a good weekend for Atlanta United fans, obviously, minus the Joseph News. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for the club, it was good. I think, uh, yeah. yes. For morale, On the table, it was good. The table yeah. was good. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, and the MLS schedule, guys, I mean, very rare uh, kind of uh, kind of a gem in terms of uh, the last match there for NYCFC versus Philly uh, on decision day. I mean, I don't think they could have predicted that really. So, no, I mean, if, if still, you want to, you know, that's a massive. Do massive what game. we do. It's a podcast. We can, you know, prognosticate and then try to predict the future and stuff. And if you look at it and say, if Atlanta United can beat NYCFC, you assume you should be able to take care of Montreal away because right. they're not being great and be able to take care of New England at home. So if you win this week and you win out your games, you're in the driving. You're in the driving seat yeah. because now you're looking at it going. Philadelphia is playing NYCFC at home. If NYCFC drop points, you're going to finish first. So and then if you don't beat NYCFC or you get a draw, then if you know you're not finishing first, you're going okay. Well, if NYCFC win, we're going to finish second. So yeah. you're in a great spot. It all again comes down to that match on Wednesday, which we'll get down to in a little bit. Yes. So uh, yeah, Jose Martinez, uh, his goal against FC Cincy, the second one, is up for MLS Goal of the Week, and you got to vote for this for numerous reasons. Uh, one, uh, Hackland on his ass. Two, Hackland on his ass again. Yes. <laughs> uh, three, the goal, uh, and then also because it's Joseph Martinez. And he's out injured right now. And so, yes. yeah, give him some positivity, yeah. He's also up for Player of the Week. Yes. So vote for him for that as well, for the exact same reason, if we're being honest. Indeed, indeed. And uh, also, Joseph Martinez and Emerson Hyman have made the MLS Team of the Week as well. Uh, so congrats to both of them. And also, uh, so Ezekiel Barco, in good news, uh, Ezekiel Barco has returned to training. And... Uh, but unfortunately, he will not be back until the Montreal Impact match. So, uh, yeah, it's still good, though, that he's getting back in. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they're, you know, it's just, it's... Uh, we need him. If Joseph's yeah. out, we, we need Ezekiel Barco. Absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, moving on. LA United 2 has mutually parted ways with Diego Lopez. Uh, he was signed ahead of the 2018 season and made one appearance against the Bethlehem Steel. And uh, yeah, so best of luck to Diego as uh, he will find uh, probably a new team, hopefully in USL or uh, somewhere. But um, yeah, and moving on from that, I mean, Joseph Martinez, uh, God, man, uh, if the tears on the sideline didn't put, uh, you know, some, you know, just uh, get some waterworks going. Maley's dance party, that video that Ellen and I put out where, I mean, he basically uh, uh, just visited uh, a cancer patient named Kaylee, or Maley, Maley sorry. They rather. had a, a surprise birthday party for her at yeah. the training ground. Mm -hmm. And so her friends were already all there. She didn't know what was going on. It surprised her. And then Joseph comes in and it wasn't one of those where, okay, someone shows up and is just like, hey, I'm here. Joseph hung out the whole time. Yeah. He was making like silly putty with her. He was dancing with her. He, the confetti that the confetti, uh, he was, like, and he was oh he's man yeah <laughs> build the statue just build the damn statue like clearly like inside and out he is such a good person and is you know and also a hell of a player like i just i there's not enough there's not enough you can say about this yeah. man he's greatest of all time he we're so lucky to have a player not just of his quality but of his character and so that's another reason why when you see things like what happened in the match, just so mm -hmm. annoying because things like that shouldn't happen to a guy like Joseph Martinez because exactly. he's just, he's an incredible human being and I'm just incredibly happy that he's a part of Atlanta United yeah. because I think he makes not just the team, but the community a better place as well. Right. And uh, so also speaking of Joseph Martinez, uh, they're... Uh, he's had a wild week, man. Seriously, dude. Uh, so, you know, uh, Joseph Martinez's dog, Hassie, uh, has been missing for about a week and it's still missing. And so, uh, yeah, if you uh, haven't seen that, go into our video description box and uh, find uh, the just the information. And if you do see Hasi or Hasi, I'm, I'm not even sure how they pronounce it, but uh, yeah, hopefully we can help him find his dog. And uh, in this meantime, 
send some good vibes to Joseph Martinez. But uh, yeah, there, and also speaking of Joseph Martinez, uh, there was a transfer rumor. Uh, There's not a lot of uh, but you know a lot of truth behind it. I feel like, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, the Chronicle said that Newcastle United are looking into Joseph Martinez. No. And it's one of those things where he's no. mentioned not time and time again that he's uh, not interested in leaving Atlanta. So uh, I don't really put a lot of stock into it. If they want to go for him, they'll have they to pony have up. They don't have the money. Yeah, they've, they ponied up for Joe Linton, but it's, uh, it's one of those things where I don't know if they're going to uh, pony up again. It's just, you know, they're that type of team that they penny pinch. They it's had just, to take out impossible. loans to buy these players, and we'd straight up look at them and be like, 50 million. Yeah. Here's the other, here's the, here's the thing that I think is the funniest part about this whole transfer rumor. Miguel Almiron was very clear that he wanted to go play in Europe. Yeah. Joseph Martinez has made it very clear. He does not want to leave Atlanta, so it doesn't even matter if Newcastle wanted him. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. So, yeah. it doesn't matter. There it is. There's no Latin clubs in, in Newcastle. <laughs> it's cold, it's dark from like, 3.30 in the winter. That doesn't seem like the kind of place Joseph wants to go live. I don't think it's the type of place his family would want to come visit because it's like, it's cold and miserable and raining constantly here. And Mickey's not never even there in his free time. Him and his wife are traveling around Europe because they're like, why would we want to be here? And also, this is most important, Newcastle are crap right now. They're terrible. Even Miggy, you could clearly tell, isn't happy. His confidence is not great. He, he's not having a good he time. He needs a goal. He needs a goal. Yeah. He needs something. Newcastle need a lot. There's no one going to their games. It's, it's just a miserable time right now for them. And I feel for the fans, I feel yep. for Miggy, but stay away from Joseph. Yeah, so I think in terms of happiness, I'm not really sure that Joseph Martinez is uh, really wanting to do that. No. But uh, so that wraps it up for the news and gets us into buy or sell. And in this segment, we simply say if we buy or sell an Atlanta United topic. And first topic is Joseph Martinez will start Atlanta United's first playoff game, buy or sell. So, it's going to be, I think, October the 13th, because my gut feeling is Atlanta United won't finish first. It's just a very tough ask with that point gap. I don't think he will be. That's less than a month away. These injuries are usually six weeks at least. So, if Atlanta United wants him starting, maybe he can give you something off the bench, but I just don't see a way, and I honestly don't want him rushed back to see him start in that game either. So, I'm going to sell that he starts in this game. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, I sell for the very similar reasons, uh, and especially starting. I think that's where it's, it might be too soon, especially him getting some match fitness because it will be uh, a time that he's out. He will need to be able to get back uh, into the squad where uh, he's you know firing like a Joseph Martinez can. And maybe in that time, you know, maybe there's uh, some kind of intra-squad games that he can organize and, uh, you know, try to get a lot of game time uh, or, like, minutes so that he can get ready if he is nearing to get ready. But you could always have him on the bench, if not to play also as a threat. That's something that, play, that yes, teams do sometimes. Bench, because exactly. if a team's coming to the bins and mm -hmm. you think, you know, Joseph isn't playing and all of a sudden you see him on the bench, that, that can change the way that a coach approaches the game because you, you're thinking about what, what he can do when he can come on, what, what what's possible there. But as far as starting goes, I think, yeah, we're both in agreement. I think that's a bit too soon. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But if it happens by some miracle, fantastic. Next, buy or sell topic, Atlanta United will secure a top two seed in the East. I'm going to buy this one. Um, we talked last week about if Atlanta could finish first, but I definitely think as far as a top two seed goes, I think Atlanta United can do that. You have a big match, and it depends on what the result is this week. But I think for Atlanta United, I see them winning both of those games against Montreal and against um, New England at home. Mm -hmm. The benefit is having those two teams in Philadelphia and NYCFC play each other that last game of the season. Yeah. Now, Philadelphia winning that game, that's probably means you're finishing third. But as far as, as top three, top two go, I just I have a gut feeling that I think Atlanta can do it. I think the quality's there. I just I see Philadelphia dropping points against NYCFC because NYCFC is going to do everything they can to finish first, and I think they're going sure. to personally. So I think they beat Philadelphia as well. So my yeah. gut feeling, I think Atlanta gets two. Yeah, I think we absolutely secure a top two seed. I think uh, the team is going to find some way to galvanize and make sure that. Uh, you know, because of what they've said um, throughout the show in terms of uh, their quotes, I feel like they know what's at stake. They know what they need to do. And, uh, you know, with the benefit of being the reigning MLS Cup champions, I think we have the mentality that uh, we know that, you know, we, uh, we have the goods. And so it's just a matter of 
uh, proving it out on the pitch, and hopefully we do. And I really so. want Philly to come here in the playoffs so we can beat the tar out of them for all that shit they talked after the win. It's true. It's true. Yeah, there's some uh, some some fans that have uh, given some gruff, and it'd be very nice to give it back. The to team them. as well. Philly was very cocky after that game, sure. and I thought Atlanta was the better team minus the scoreline. We yeah. were just tired, and they weren't. And yeah. we weren't at full fitness, and they weren't. So. That stuff happens. But uh, yeah, so uh, that does it for buy or sell. It gets us to the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Nick B Studios. Do you think the rest of the team will be affected in a positive way or negative way from Joseph's injury? I think it's going to be a positive, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's Joseph Martinez, and he's going to still be in around the training ground, and I guarantee you, I don't think he'll, he won't fly, he won't travel to New York. Before the team leaves, we'll probably look at all of them in the eye and say, you guys better step the hell up, because if you drop your performance levels, I'm going to be pissed at you. He's that kind of guy. Huh? He doesn't want his teammates performing at a lower level. He's like that on the field, I think he's like that off the field, and I think he'll make it very clear that, you know, this isn't just about me, we're a team. Mm -hmm. And I think the team understands that as well. They have that mentality of, we are still a great team. Like, you know, LGP, that LGP quote you said earlier. Mm -hmm. I think it's a positive. And again, you had positive performances from both Brandon Vasquez and Tito Bijal, but against a solid team in San Jose. So you have quality players to step in. Obviously they're not the level of Joseph Martinez, but I think you have to do what you have to do and you have to fight and it's a backs against the wall moment. So I think that they're gonna step up and I think they're gonna be a positive influence. Yeah, no, very well said. I mean, it's a, it's one of those things where I think, um, you know, with all that, um, it's that mentality they have right. Uh, just, I, I hope that they do take it in a positive way. Sounds like they are. Uh, next question comes from Thomas Jeffels 17 and a similar question by Ella Bell 006. How do you think we will cope in the playoffs if Joseph isn't available? I think it's a lot tougher. I think it also depends on where you're playing. If you have those two matches at home, if you finish second, again, that's you have you can't just assume that you're gonna win every game at home, but it is a much better place to play. I think that you have two players in, in uh, Tito and in Vasquez that offer two very different things depending on the opponent you're facing. Vasquez is physical, he's quick, he's I think the only player in the team that can play with his back to goal and hold up the ball for players to run off of him. That's something that you really don't have from any other forwards. He's a big physical unit and it's tough for teams to deal with a player like that at times and he has played well throughout the season. And Tito obviously, he scores the bangers, he's got the pace, he's got mm -hmm. the moves. So you have quality players that can step in. If you're playing at home, I still think you're favored. I still think that you have the quality to see you over the line, especially if a Barco is fit. Mm -hmm. And again, the longer you go on, if he doesn't play, the better chance he has of coming back. Yeah. So win your games and you have a good chance of seeing Joseph in the playoffs anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, if we do play like a Brandon Vasquez up top, I do hope that we play to what kind of striker he is, I think mostly. But uh, because, yeah, during this past match, we were playing a lot to his feet where, yeah, I mean, he's pretty decent with his feet, but, uh, you know, for a striker, but it is one of those things where, I mean, he's a 6'3 dude and pretty meaty at that. Like, you find him in the box, allow him to hold it up, uh, and instead of, you know, trying to play a through ball to him or uh, playing him to the wing or something like that. And so, yeah, play to a strength of, uh, of his and uh, maybe, you know, we can actually, um, you know, kind of utilize his strengths and have some guys run on and score those goals And as it's well, a big so. moment for him as well because sure. he's had a lot of talk about him back, even going back to the first season, about the potential that he has. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those moments. You had it in the U.S. Open Cup earlier this season mm -hmm. where he stepped up and scored goals. Now he has another big moment here where he will be counted on to step up and put in a performance, whether that's starting or off the bench. So this is a good time because if he can step up, that just gives you another option and more confidence that you have a variety of different players that can mm -hmm. unlock any type of door in terms mm -hmm. of a defense in front of you. So and Tito Bichalba ain't no slouch either. Exactly. You know, so you have a... you have two really solid options yeah. there. It could definitely be worse. It could be Manchester United. Yeah, sure. Let's not talk about that. Let's though. not talk about that. Uh, next question comes from TEJ8. Will not having a super sub, i.e. Barco Tito 2018, be our biggest flaw going into the playoffs? I think you'll still have a super sub because I'm not sure, again, whether it's Vasquez or Tito, if Barco comes back, you know, you also have a Heinemann coming off of a bench or a Remedi. Yes, it's not necessarily a super sub, but 
you, you'll have quality to come off the bench still. This team, especially in attack, is deep. They are good. That is the one place where you don't want to lose players, but in a sense you can afford to lose players because you do have that quality. So I still think you will have players coming off the bench, and it, again, it depends on the situation that you have. I think a Vasquez off the bench is a difficult thing for a team to deal with. He's a big guy. He can throw himself around, and he's improved this season. Or if Tito's coming off the bench, you know what you have there. Or even if a Hyman comes off the bench, he hasn't had the best of performances, but he's also been, I think, a solid acquisition as far as I'm concerned. So you still have quality that you can bring off the bench, and I don't think it's necessarily as bad as maybe you might think it is. Yeah, I mean, you don't have uh, a guy that was a former DP and a DP that is coming off the bench, but yes, there's still a good bit of quality uh, and definitely attacking-wise that uh, you can bring off. And especially, yeah, if it is uh, Joseph Martinez, especially in the playoffs, if he's not quite ready, that's quite a weapon to bring off. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom that, uh, you know, we don't have, um, you know, maybe those two in uh, our squad for uh, the playoffs. But uh, next question comes from Terminus United 83. Would it be better to finish second in the East with New York and DC in fourth and fifth? Yes. I'm just going to say yes, and then you can take the rest of it because I don't want to play Red Bulls. So, yes. I mean, yeah, that, that's absolutely fair. They're, uh, they're a team that, well, you know, in the playoffs, we've done the business against, but maybe, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, where have we shown as much flexibility as, uh, you know, Atasha Martino? Maybe. Uh, so, you know, it's a kind of wait and see if we do play against the Red Bulls. But yes, if we're talking about pure matchups, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we probably want to be playing uh, a DC or, you know, uh, a New England Revolution or, you know, those type of teams or a Toronto FC. Yeah, right now it's Toronto if we finish second. As things, so. If they ended today, it'd be Toronto. Right. So, you know, I think uh, I think if we could avoid the Red Bulls, yes, please. Last question comes from Sophia Cupertino. If Joseph is out for the playoffs, what would be the ideal playoff lineup? I think you stick with the similar formation. I don't think you want uh -huh. to change things a lot. I think it comes down to personal preference and also the team that you're playing. If it's a team that's really going to sit deep, I play a Brandon Vasquez because he gives you a more physical option in the air. He can, he can play with his back to goal. He can take multiple players out um, with his physicality. If it's a team that plays more open, Satito Bujava. Aside from that, I think that if Barco's fit, he plugs into Heinemann's spot and, and you pretty much have what you've got right now and it's just who's playing for Joseph. So I think what you have right now is the best you have with Gressel at wing back, with Miriam at wing back. The back three is the best you're gonna have. The middle is really your only question, especially if Barco is back. Is it Rometty, Heinemann, Nagby? Who plays out of those three? Does Lorinowitz come in? I still think it's probably one, two out of three of Rometty, Heinemann, Nagby, yeah. and Barco's fit. Yeah, I think the yeah the midfield, uh, the number ten and the striker, yeah, it's maybe a little bit fluid now, uh, especially against the opponent that we're going to play. Uh, it just really depends on that, and so there, the ideal is what suits the opposition in a way, but also allows us to uh, you know attack them at our most lethal capacity. So uh, that does it for the mailbag, and thank you guys for sending in those questions. Please continue to do so, and we might answer them in the future. Uh, and that gets us to our Wasteman of the Week. Yes, it has been a long time. Maybe it hasn't been a good time, but I have a Wasteman of the Week for the first time in a while. And it's not just a man. It's an entire team. The San Jose Earthquakes... What happened? Genuinely lost their minds in that game. And I've seen teams get angry at a referee, but every single call from the first minute of the game, they were yelling in his face. Now, it's not applicable in a sense, but I was a referee for high school basketball. You know what, as a ref, if you started yelling at me, I had no inclination to help you, especially if you were doing dumb things. If you were making fouls, I was gonna call them and I wasn't gonna give you any leeway because you were acting like a dickhead. Guess what? The entire San Jose team acted like dickheads. Chris Wondolowski got a red card, and I kid you not, this is the description for foul and abusive language after he was off the pitch. He wasn't even playing, and it was the first red card of his career. This team lost the plot entirely. Espinoza deserved to go. Honestly, Judson should have gone because his game plan was apparently kick every Atlanta United player, specifically Pity Martinez, whenever he saw them. So as far as I'm concerned, they could have had multiple red cards and they got what was coming to them. Those two goals at the end was poetic justice because as far as I see it, they didn't play a great game. They kicked us, they played on the edge. That's what Matias Almeida wants to do. He got a kick as well because he got kicked out of the game. So guess what? San Jose, waste men of the week. They deserved it. Go and do one. We got all three points. Go cry off on the West. Sodom.
And that gets us into the match preview, and it's a big one. It's against it's NYCFC. It's the big one, pretty much. They're first. We're second. Uh, it's at Yankee Stadium. It's Wednesday, and by God, we need this win for sure. But uh, in terms of their form recently, they've been doing really quite well. They've won four of their last six and have been undefeated. So, you know, that's... Uh, Ain't, ain't too bad. I don't think they've lost since we beat them in August. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they've been on an incredible run. Uh, and for us, we've won four of our last six and lost two. And so it's not a, you know, kind of shining NYCFC form, but we've been doing decently. Uh, we just don't tend to draw games for whatever reason this year. We have season. three draws this year. That's whatever, wild. Whatever reason. Uh, yeah, but uh, in terms of uh, our previous matchups against them, uh, in 2017, there was that 3-1 loss at Yankee Stadium. Uh, that was our first foray into that. I think, uh, yeah, Tata Martino maybe wasn't as, uh, you know, as cultured into how to play on that uh, on that pitch as uh, he was later on. But uh, we also won 3-1 at Bobby Dodd in 2017. And in 2018, we drew 2-2 at the Benz, 1-1 at Yankee Stadium. And then in the playoffs, we got that 1-0 win at Yankee Stadium, and then that 3-1 win at the Benz. So, ain't too bad all in all there. And then in 2019, a 2-1 win at the Benz on August 8th. So, uh, all in all, we've been pretty decent. Uh, 1-4, true uh, a bunch, only lost once against NYCFC. So, you know, uh, I think at one point, I think in 2018, we were uh, pretty, like, maybe uh, mm, about playing NYCFC, but now we've got a good run of it against them, but now is not the time to get too overconfident against this team. Well, especially you're missing Joseph Martinez. Yeah. So you're going into the biggest game of the season without your best player, and that's always going to be a negative. And, and like you said, NYCFC have been playing some really good soccer. They've been taking care of teams. They've been beating them. They did have a draw this past week into a Dallas team that's been okay, hasn't been exceptional this year. Fighting but, for a playoff spot. Yeah, man. fighting for a playoff spot, but they are really starting to find their style of play under Dome Toronto. And there's some people at the beginning of the season that wanted him fired. They didn't think he was good enough, but I think now people are kind of seeing how he's playing. He has put his stamp on the team. They aren't Pep Guardiola's Man City, but in a few separate ways, they do play a lot like them. Dome Toronto has coached with Pep for a very long time. He was a close confidant of Pep. It made sense when he moved within the city football group to come over to NYCFC. So they are a very good team. However, they are also missing their best striker. So in terms of that, Atlanta's got a little bit going their way. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of NYCFC and their style, uh, they're a team that, yeah, they create a lot of chances through the through balls, shoot a lot from direct free kicks, and uh, they are very, very strong at coming back from losing positions. And uh, that's kind of worrying because, yeah, it's like one of those things where even if you do get up early uh, at Yankee Stadium, don't get too confident. It happened to Red Bulls. Red yeah. Bull went up and then they lost. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, they're also a team that uh, likes to shoot from distance a lot. Uh, they are quite good at finishing their scoring chances. And they hit on the counterattack. They, yeah, they like to play with possession. I mean, they have a few facets to their game. And so, uh, you know, and I think... One thing that uh, I think maybe might play into our favor slightly, I think, is that uh, they do attack through the middle a good bit and with kind of more congestion in our 3-5-2 in the middle, at least. Uh, especially because, on a smaller field. Especially on a smaller field. I think that it kind of bodes pretty well. But uh, yeah, they uh, also, uh, in terms of their weaknesses, they're not very good at, at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas and they are not so good at stopping opponents from creating chances. So, you know, it means there might be a slightly open game, and if we good can- Good going forward, man at the back. Yeah, man at the back, and if we can, you know, really, uh, you know, attack with some skill, maybe we can really uh, create some decent scoring chances and put them away. But, uh, in terms of their players to watch, Maxi Morales, uh, yeah, is, uh, one of their guys that, yeah, seven goals, 11 assists in 25, and, or 26 appearances, rather. And, uh, yeah, Alexandru Marita, uh, has, Matrita, sorry, rather, thank you, has nine goals, two assists in, uh, 27 appearances this season. And also, Valentin Castellanos, I'm butchering that, uh, Castellanos, I think, 
is probably better. Uh, has 11 goals and four assists in 28 appearances. So, yeah, they uh, are spreading the goals around a good bit, and that's uh, yeah, they're obviously a dangerous team. Going dangerous. Forward. You don't know where the goals are going to come from. Although their best scorer and to get into players who are out is a bear. He is out. He will not be playing in this game. Also, James Sands, a defender for them, is out. So, in terms of Yes, they do spread the goals around, but the guy who has been the most lethal for them in front of goal this season is also missing. So the teams kind of have that going against them in that. In that, in that and then, yeah, definitely in that regard where yeah, the very best in attack is not going to be there. But, uh, and speaking of, for LA United, of course, Jose Martinez is out for this match at least, and then probably the rest of the matches for the regular season. But uh, we'll find out the full diagnosis, of course. Ezekiel Barco is out for this match, but might be back for the Montreal Impact. And uh, so, and of course, Breck Shea is out for the season. So, you know, we have a couple of very, very important guys out. And yeah, I mean, that uh, kind of makes this match very, very interesting in a lot of regards with so much on the line and not the, you know, full choice starting 11. When you're missing out there. two of your DPs, you're always going to be a little bit behind the eight ball. But that yeah. means that players are going to step have to step up to get some of the match facts for this. There's been over two and a half goals in 11 of NYCFC's last 13 games. The dangerous thing is unfortunately because they play at that kid's ballpark, they've won six of their last seven home matches at Yankee Stadium, and their NYCFC have won by a one goal margin in five of their last six home games. So it is tight when it is up there, and I think that is very much how this match is going to be as well. So let's get into the keys for this one. Yeah, and so yeah, definitely staying compact at the back and really, uh, really congesting that middle, I think, is uh, kind of a tactic that we really need to uh, make sure that we do because, I mean, there is not a lot of width. And so, you know, with that, that's what we have to do. Um, I think what's interesting to, to, to you know, add on to that is, is this a game that maybe suits Jeff Lorenowitz? Because yeah. it's, a, it's a tighter field. You want to maintain that. They play through like the middle. Sit. He does like to sit. You know that if they come through that middle of, of, of the pitch, he usually can read the play, break things up, mm -hmm. stop attacks from happening. Yeah, so, and this is a different LA United. We have a lot more height. We can deal with uh, crosses coming in from uh, the wings. And so it's one of those things where we're not that same team uh, that was maybe a little naive in 2017. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we have guys that can uh, clear those balls away with their head if, you know, it's in that kind of territory. And especially if they are vulnerable at giving away set-piece opportunities in dangerous areas, having a bit more height on the field to have a Vasquez if he steps in, or Lorenowitz, LGP, Escobar, having that height yeah. could provide you with an opportunity off of a direct set-piece as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very interesting. And again, this field is just so weird that it really provides a different challenge. And hopefully... Frank DeBoer will listen to the squad because I imagine the squad has a lot of ideas of how you play on this pitch and how you approach it because this will be Frank DeBoer's first trip up to playing in Yankee Stadium. Exactly. And that's, uh, I mean, no one is comfortable their first time at Yankee Stadium playing in the dimensions that they have set up. Uh, I don't care which kind of manager you are, how prolific you are. I mean, Tata Martino has showed that, yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you will... Uh, you know, struggle if you never play there and, you know, you don't have the right ideas in order to break down NYCFC at home. And so, yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions in our starting 11. And so let's get into what our prediction is. Um, yeah, going through the lines. Guzan, of course. So I have Guzan. And um, that three-man back line. Yeah, so my back three is a little bit interesting, mostly because... Julian Gressel also picked up a little bit of a knock in the game against San Jose, and it wasn't as bad, but he was limping at the time, and he did not, in my opinion, seem 100% at the end of that match. Mm -hmm. Plus the fact that he plays a lot of games. Mm -hmm. So for me, I actually don't have him starting this game, which changes how that back three lines up. So I have LGP on the right, Robinson in the middle, and I've put Pogba there on the left, but also this could actually be a game because of the smaller pitch that Michael mm -hmm. Parkhurst could find his way back into the starting mm -hmm. 11, depending on what Frank DeBoer wants to do, because yeah. he does He's have that calmness on the there. ball. He has experience playing there. Mm -hmm. He provides you with a cool, calm head in terms of controlling and passing out of the back. So uh, I, I, I just don't see Gressel playing, and if Gressel's not playing, that means you have to put Escobar at right wing back, which changes yeah. your back three. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Pogba being in that back line also uh, bodes well for this type of match because, yeah, I mean, he looks like pretty much probably a giant on that pitch as well. So that bodes well uh, in terms of the lack of space that they might have. 
so I agree, LGP, Robinson, Pogba as that three-man back line. Uh, Escobar then would have to come in, um, you know, to spell Gressel for a bit. Give him a little bit of uh, just that relief and uh, maybe hope he, hopefully he can uh, kind of rehab it for a game and uh, you know not have to come on. And with how Escobar plays with that kind of reckless abandon running up and down, it's a smaller pitch so he can get up and down more and it suits him to go and almost frees him up to be a bit more aggressive and run forward as opposed to leaving him exposed at the back. Right, and, uh, and Miram came off early and so I think he uh, comes right back in into uh, the left wing back position. Although I wouldn't be surprised if a Dion Pereira does play, but I think uh, Justin Miram does have experience playing on that pitch and Dion Pereira does not. I think you have to go with some experience here in, uh, in this type of match, especially when so much is on the line as well. But uh, yeah, and getting into the midfield then, I think uh, we actually also have a very similar midfield because I think, yeah, we know the onus is that we have to clog the middle. Yes, and I think that it, you've been hearing, and especially after the match, you've heard uh, Jason Longshore talk about it a lot with Mike Conti, about how this team has a different level of stability when Jeff Lorenowitz plays. Yes, we like being attacking, but you have to be pragmatic and you have to be smart about this game. And I think Jeff Lorenowitz has to start this game for Atlanta United. He provides you something different. You don't have to worry about him moving around on a big pitch because it's a compact area. He reads the game so well and he stops attacks from taking place. And you know he's going to hold his position in the middle of the park and really be a shield for the defenders. So I think he is key and pivotal to play in this game mm -hmm. right next to Darlington Nagby, who if you have to pick anyone, he is going to play because he's a do-everything. And again, with the pitch size, he'll be able to go box to box a right. lot in this game. Now, you might feel like Eric Rometty might be hard done by because when he's played against Maxi Morales, he's had him in his pocket almost every single time. He also scored that goal in Shemetti. NYC. That famed Shemetti <laughs> celebration came about because of that. I mean, it, it is uh, it is tough, I think, with that, uh, you know, but I think, you know, we really have to, in terms of uh, rest and also uh, kind of what we need to do and how they play, I think it really suits us to have Larry and Nagby in the middle. And so, uh, in terms of that number 10 position, it could be uh, a, a few number of people, but, uh, you know, I think with how we've set up kind of the guys behind him, we both have Emerson Hyneman. Yeah. And I think that's because he offers you the flexibility. He can, if he's not playing as in, he can drop back and almost play as a part of a midfield three with Nagby and Lorenowitz. Mm -hmm. He has the flexibility to play as an out and out midfielder in addition mm -hmm. to playing in a more advanced role. So I think he offers you that flexibility going forward. And because he's one of the few players that Atlanta has that will make that run from midfield and run into the box. He likes to get in to the box and he's confident. You've seen him with a scoring touch now. Mm -hmm. So I think that he's a player that has to play in that role, especially with Ezekiel Barco being out. Yeah. Now, I think what's interesting is where the difference between you and I is. We both yeah. have pity, but I have Brendan Vasquez starting up top, yeah. and you have Tito Bijalba. Yeah, I have Tito Bijalba, but back to Emerson Hyman for a second. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, in terms of uh, Emerson Hyman in, in that position, it's because, yeah, he does that link-up play so well, and uh, he does pass and move, and especially in those tight congested spaces at Yankee Stadium, it really bodes well for a player like Emerson Hyman. And plus, I mean, he just scored the game-winning goal in the last match. I mean, to take him off would be a little harsh. So, yeah, he definitely has to come in. And then, for me, yeah, it's uh, it's Tito as, uh, you know, the, the number nine, if you will, I guess, in, in the sense that the guy that we're looking for in the box uh, to score our goals. Uh, I think versus uh, Brandon Vasquez, who, yeah, I mean, I think is suited for this game as well. But, you know, the fact is, is that I think for me, NYCFC do like to go for it as well. There will be some space. And, uh, I mean, Tito Bijalba can operate uh, in some tight spaces at times and uh, has a rocket shot. He'll He's not afraid to pop one off at any point. So, you know, it's one of those things where either one, you couldn't go wrong per se. But uh, for me, the preference is in bringing Tito Bichalba in. I've gone for Brandon Vasquez because I feel like, because it is tighter spaces, and because, again, the danger offset pieces because of the fouling that NYCFC has, I think that Brandon Vasquez offers something a little bit different. I think that his physicality can throw NYCFC off. He can draw multiple defenders. He can win balls in the air. He can play with his back to goal and enable guys like Heinemann and PT to run off of him, and like he did uh, with that back heel flick to Heinemann that was saved. So I think that he offers something that can draw on defenders, and I think bringing Tito on later in the game, especially if the game is getting stretched, that's where he's at his best. I just don't know if the field has those dimensions to where he will be able to find those spaces. And yes, they do go up and down. So maybe, you know, I could see how Tito could start, but for me personally, I just think that Vasquez offers you more in terms of 
how they would have to plan around him I think would be more difficult for Vasquez because of the physical mm -hmm. side that he offers in the game. So. Yeah, but uh, that gets us into the score prediction then. What do you think is gonna happen? I unfortunately think it's gonna be a 2-1 NYCFC win. They've been winning by one goal at home. They've been playing really, really good soccer. LA United has been far from convincing on the road, especially against better teams this season. And I just think without Ezekiel Barco and without Joseph Martinez, you're asking a lot of this team. I think that they can play well and it'll be a tight game, but I just have to go with my gut over my heart and my gut just tells me a 2-1 win to NYCFC. Yeah, uh, I've been put through the fields this entire weekend and uh, so I think I'm going with my heart here and uh, I'm hoping it's a 2-2 draw. Because, yeah, I mean, I think the team will find something deep within themselves uh, to really, uh, you know, in this kind of uh, time where, you know, we need a result to kind of uh, kind of quell those feelings. Because if very immediately, you know, we take an L at Yankee Stadium, it's not going to make people feel too comfortable. So I think that, you know, the players know what the importance is. And I think there's enough talent on the pitch to be able to make that happen. At least a draw. If we can get more than that, absolutely fantastic. Hopefully we don't get his uh, his. I result. hope I'm wrong. I really want to be wrong. Really, really want to be wrong. But yeah, my gut. <laughs> but guys, let us know what your predictions are in the comments below. And that does it for the episode. Remember, guys, to... So hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on. yeah. I have a question of the day first. Oh, yes. We I have do a very have... important question of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll and it's relevant to, to everything else we've been talking sure. about this episode. And that's Joseph Martinez. And the question of the day is this. Can Atlanta United win in the playoffs without Joseph Martinez? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to think. Now you can call us. There we go. And that's the episode. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and ratings so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>